Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore, and today we are moving on to another defensive position here in the summer scouting series. We already talked about edge rushers earlier this week. Today, we're talking about corners. Now, there's been a lot of debate about where you put the priority on corners. Does it deserve to be in the same conversation as quarterbacks, as offensive tackles, as edge rushers when it comes to premium draft picks? Well, it sort of depends on the class sometimes, right? If you've got a guy that's worth it, Maybe you get to put him in that conversation. I think there's a good chance that this year we might have a couple of guys that might be worth being in that conversation. All right, so as we stated before, we're talking about cornerbacks today. Apparently, uh, George Payton from the Denver Broncos, general manager, says that uh, good corners are hard to come by, harder to come by than franchise quarterbacks. I don't know about all that because uh, we're going to talk about four corners that we really, really like in this class, but as you guys probably figured, I'm not alone in this podcast. I have on with me right now a member of the scouting team here at the Draft Network, Brentley Wiseman, one of my favorite scouting minds that I get to chat with at any time we get the chance to really sit down and I get to pick his brain about prospects. And so I'm really looking forward to getting to chat with Brentley here. Dude, thank you so much for joining me. Man, thanks for having me. Um, and I never heard that quote from George Patton, but Guess from watching the Twitter feed yesterday, I mean, sheesh, do you see Sertan? Oh, dude, he's that so red? good. He's so uh, good. My gosh. So it looks like Patton found a good corner. I mean, he still has to find a good quarterback. So maybe, you know, maybe he needs to uh, spend more time on scouting the quarterbacks if a cornerback is, is such a hard position to find because you nailed that one. I know. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be too mean about it on the timeline, but I wanted to say something like this is strong stance from a guy with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater as his quarterbacks <laughs> currently. But uh, yeah, man, Patrick Sertan, he looks like the real deal. I'm so excited to see yeah. him play. And every time, I got to say this, every time I see him make a play and somebody on Twitter refers to him as PS2, like, it just makes it that much better. Does it not? Well, 100%. And I think he knew exactly what he's doing with that picking that number. I mean, yes. sheesh, like this is the branding and things you can do. And I know we live in a world of NIL. He unfortunately missed that. I but know. my gosh, I mean, he, he's, he, he, he had a great number selection. He's going to be an outstanding player from day one, I think. You can already tell when Hall of Fame careers begin, <laughs> depending on what numbers and aesthetics that they choose when, uh, when they're a rookie. Okay, so Brentley was the one who said, hey, I want corners. Let's talk about corners in this class because we had Jordan on uh, earlier this week to talk about edge rushers. Now we're talking about corners. We're bouncing around a little bit, but I guarantee to you guys this conversation is going to be very worth it. We're going to talk about four players here on this podcast in-depthly and then maybe get to a couple other names that, that Brentley want, might want to have you learn at the end of the podcast. But we're talking about LSU's Derek Stingley, Trent McDuffie from Washington, Kyir Elam from Florida, and then Clemson's Andrew Booth. Let's start with Derek Stingley. I feel like we have to, just because Sting has been in at the top of the cornerback conversation for forever. And I mean, like, there's a good reason for it. So the measurables, six foot one, buck 95, those were his measurables there. He's a true junior this year. And so even though a lot of people out there might know the name Derek Stingley, this is the first time that he is draft eligible. And he has a 
football family background. His grandfather, Daryl Stingley, was a first-round pick of the Patriots back in 1973, and I also read that he was setting himself up to maybe be the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL at the time when he was coming up before a career-ending injury happened to him. His direct father also played in the NFL, played on the practice squad of the Jets. He was also drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies. So extremely athletic, big-time football background family. I feel like that goes into why we know Derek Stingley right now, but we also know him because of how good he has been at such a young age on the field already. So when you got the chance to watch Derek Stingley this summer as a first-time draft-eligible dude, what did you think of him? I mean, I came away super impressed. And, and we've heard the name Derek Stingley all the way, you know, back going back to his freshman year in 2019, you know, when LSU won, won the Natty with Joe Burrow and them boys. But when you really got to sit down and watch Stingley's tape from 2019 to his sophomore year in 2020, it's easy to see why he's considered one of the best players in this draft, mm-hmm. one of the best cornerbacks we've seen over the past decade. You talk about his combination of size, over athleticism and technique, it's all outstanding. Checks every single box. At 6'1, 195, he has outstanding size, really good length, and he's he's really smooth and fluid at that size. And that's something I thought, you know, was we talked about Sertan earlier. Sertan had that, but but, but Stingley takes it to a whole other level. His feet, you, you think he's 5'9 the way he's so smooth and, and, and really sure. just fluid in his pedal, uh, extremely, extremely patient. Never's out of phase, you know, just really kind of just smooth and, and able to find the hip of the receiver as, as he's carrying vertical, outstanding deep speed, really good uh, short area, quick change of direction to mirror in the short and inter- intermediate parts, parts of the field. And he's just an extremely tough and competitive football player who I think, you know, when he lines up uh, on an island, he knows that, hey, like I'm strapping this guy because he has that confidence. He has that swagger to really hold up on an island. Um, one of the things I think that really separates Sting is his outstanding, outstanding ball skills and ball production. Yep. I think he had, what, what, four or five interceptions as a freshman. It was a little down last year, but he was missing some games due to injury in sophomore year. But you see him just making plays on the football, and that's what really you know separates good corners from the great. And, and, and I, I think this kid has very, very, very little holes in his games. Out of all the corners we're going to talk about today, I think he best translates as a guy who, you know, if you want to play heavy man, heavy press man, and leave your guys on an island, he can do that. And you feel comfortable with that right. because he has that size to match up physically and not get bodied at, at the point of a, at the, at the at the ball point. You know, he has that speed to cover. Uh, faster guys on the field. He's fluid and quick to cover the short, the short, uh, quicker guys in the, in the, in the shallow parts of the field. Mm -hmm. He has everything you look for. And so to me, I think he's a no brainer prospect. I have him, I think third overall on my big board. Um, So, I mean, he, he, to me, he, he's, he's an outstanding player in the, and really the prize of this cornerback class, which to me is actually the best position group 
that we will see in the 2022 class is this cornerback group. Yeah, see, that's that. I mean, that's high praise and that's good context there. I mean, going back to his freshman year, you talked about the ball skills. It wasn't four interceptions; it was actually six. He had fifteen. Jeez. He had fifteen passes defended too. Yeah, and it's, it's like wild. When you go back to 2019, it was funny because I went and I was watching some of the broadcast tape for a couple of his 2019 games just because I didn't have the all 22 readily available to me. And you know, you're listening to the commentators and. For those games that are early on in the season, they talk about number 24 as that freshman. They say, oh, you know, they've got this wide receiver lined up against a freshman. And then as the games move on, as we get closer to the college football playoff in the SEC championship game, he starts being known as less of that freshman and more of that's Derek Stingley, right? And so that was the progression of him in his freshman season for how well he was playing because typically when you throw a true freshman corner, out there, especially in the SEC, that's where all the quarterbacks are going to look. That's where the offensive coordinator, they're going to go, that kid's a freshman. Throw the ball at him. He's not going to be able to hold up. And time and time again, Derek Stingley was able to hold up in that 2019 year. Yeah, 2020, I think it was a down year for him, no doubt. But he had the injury that he was dealing with. And, you know, LSU was, I mean, let's just face it. It was a mess. LSU was cheeks last year. So, I mean, it 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 would be tough for anybody, especially somebody on the defensive side of the football, to really show out. The part of Stingley's game, just to add on, because I totally agree with your assessment, the thing that I I, I would add on to that is he is so good at getting his hands on guys in press coverage when he's jamming them. And we've talked about it before here on this podcast multiple times because the debate seems to continually come up and, and, and now there's some legs to it where people argue, okay, well, what's now more important in the modern NFL? Is it pass rush or is it actually those top tier corners? Like which one is is more impressive or which one has a bigger impact? And the idea is that even the best pass rushers, say edge rushers, still take about two, two and a half seconds to get to the quarterback where quarterback can get rid of the ball at any point within those two seconds. If you have a corner that is great at man coverage, press coverage, can lock a receiver down for those first two to three seconds of a play, that's more valuable because you have them covered like that. But that doesn't work like that for every corner. Even some of the best corners. There are some really great off-coverage corners that that does not apply to. Derek Stingley, it does. So if you are somebody who believes that there is a debate between pass coverage and pass rush, this is a player that you would highlight as a corner who can bring you the highest value at an important position. That's what Derek Stingley brings because of, like you said, his size, his fluidity, his physical nature to him, his just his his motor, his competition every single time the ball is coming his way. And then even when the ball is not coming his way, the hand placement, the timing to disrupt the routes, all of that when he gets up towards the line of scrimmage is what makes him, like you mentioned there, a top three, top five overall yep. kind of a prospect. No doubt. And I, I mean, I th- coming from over from the Chargers, I know like Tom Telesco, He's actually of the of the camp that's coverage over pass rush, and obviously you want both, right? But right, of course, if you have guys that can cover, even if you don't have a star pass rusher, and we did with the Chargers, obviously with Joey Bosa, but if you didn't, and you have guys that can cover, you can get creative in manufacturing pressure, whether that's bringing an extra linebacker, bringing a corner off a, off a cat blitz, whatever, right? You can get 
creative and scheme up pressure, but you can't necessarily do that with coverage. And so having, you know, really talented coverage guys who you feel comfortable with, I, I think will always, you know, trump a, a pass rusher in my opinion, but, you know, in a, in a perfect world, obviously you want both. By the way, Brentley is allowed to say we, if you out there are listening to him talk about we with the Chargers, because he is a former scout for the Chargers. And so I just want to make sure people, know. people sometimes get really weird and they're like, oh, did you play? Why are you saying we? Did you play <laughs> on the team? But Brentley actually was with the Chargers organization as a scout. And so we're giving him a pass. He's allowed to say we. That's definitely we, the Chargers for Brentley. Okay, let's move on to. Let's all right. Let's stay on the West Coast. You mentioned the Chargers. Yeah. You mentioned being on the West Coast. You're a West Coast guy. Let's go to Trent McDuffie, the cornerback yeah. from Washington, five foot eleven, hundred ninety, hundred ninety five pounds, something like that. He's a junior. Uh, what I, what stood out to me about his background is as a high schooler, he was running a four four seven with a thirty five and a half inch vertical, and he's recently been tabbed as having a forty one and a half inch vertical. Now, I mean that is some serious athleticism. He started 11 games as a true freshman, got out there right away. I'm curious, what'd you see when you saw Trent McDuffie's tape? McDuffie was arguably my favorite player to study, um, you know, during the summer. And that's hard for me to say, because as an Oregon duck, I never liked when the Washington Huskies <laughs> have talented football players, but they just, they just keep churning out these defensive backs. And I think McDuffie's next in line, with the potential to be one of the best, but you know, McDuffie, he has above average size, but overall he's an excellent, excellent athlete. Uh, he's a productive player in both man and zone coverage plays with outstanding patience and is always in control. You know, he never looks panicked. And that's something to me, I really, really appreciate in a corner because the minute you get panicked, then you lose all your technique. You yeah, lose your, sure. your foot placement, your hand placement, just you, you, everything just gets choppy. And McDuffie, he it never seems to happen to him. He has outstanding feet, is smooth and fluid in his pedal and in transitions. He displays outstanding cover quickness. Uh, he drops his weight, stays square. Um, you know, really good in transitions through angles to stay connected. He can mirror receivers in and out of breaks. Um, you know, he's very good instincts and awareness. Trevor, he can he can read route combinations really good to me. Extreme, extremely comfortable in zone coverage with short air quickness to close on anything in front of him. Um, you know, that 41 inch vert, you see it with the way he plays the ball in the air. The only thing to me, McDuffie is missing is he's at 5'11, he's not the biggest or longest of the cornerbacks we're going to talk about today. So he does, he does give up size and strength at the catch point, but his competitiveness as well as his vertical explosiveness allows him to actually be productive at the catch point, even though he is a smaller corner. Um, you know, I think he has above average speed to carry vertical mm -hmm. and excellent ball skills at, at the catch point. But to me, one of the best things about McDuffie's game is this might be the best tackling corner I've, I've, I've ever scouted. I mean, this guy is an outstanding tackler. You never see him miss tackles. Um, you know, some of the other guys we'll talk about, you know, they, they lunge and drop their head and go for the feet. This guy is, is textbook wrap on the outside hip drive, get, bring to the ground. He's just an outstanding tackler. And then the thing that also separates him is he has three force fumbles. This guy is such a savvy football player. Yeah. He goes for the football, punches the football out a little bit of honey badger esque. Like he has that kind of this 
that football IQ, that football instincts that's where, where he's more than just an athlete, but like he's truly just a football player. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I think there's very, very, very little risk with this kid. Does he have the upside as a Stingley or an Andrew Booth who we'll talk to? Maybe not. Maybe not. Sure. But I think this kid is an easy first round player. Uh, I, I have a very hard time seeing him fail. Um, and again, I, I would feel extremely comfortable with drafting him, you know, in the first round and letting him be my my CB one. I'm a huge fan of Trent McDuffie. Yeah, there is something about a Jimmy Lake coached corner, right? It, and I mean, J- Jimmy Lake, he's now the head coach at Washington, but previously before then, he was a, a defensive backs coach for Washington back in 2015 or 2014, I think to 2016. He's then been the defensive coordinator since, and now he's the head coach. Uh, Jimmy Lake's also got a background as being a DB coach in the NFL. He's a DB coach with the Lions, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so he's had his hand in the NFL. And the man just understands how to coach defensive backs. And when I watched Trent McDuffie, I was reminded a lot of why I loved Elijah Molden coming out of last year's draft. Because both of these players, the biggest strength for me with McDuffie is his positioning. You mentioned it there. He's he's 5'11". I wonder if he's... 510 but like he you know <laughs> yeah. like he he's he's on the shorter side and he he doesn't have as much natural strength as other players and so you're not going to be putting Trent McDuffie on the outside as a press coverage corner you're just not going to do that I, even though like he carry guys vertically he's got that linear athleticism you're not going to want to do that because you're going to be putting him in an awkward position so instead Washington often drops him into coverage in more of softer zones cover three quarters coverage whatever it is and so they have him playing awful lot more, but he understands spacing so well that they don't want to throw the ball his way. You look at this corner, and sometimes there were a couple of games I was watching where the X receiver, who whoever was to the sideline, to his side, clearly bigger than he was, clearly a, mm-hmm. a taller, more physical specimen, and yet the quarterback, who might have even been looking in that direction, does not pull the trigger because McDuffie is... He's like in the perfect spot to bait the quarterback, yet still cover the guy. He reminded me a lot of, and I'm wondering if you scouted uh, this player when you were either with the Chargers or just previously, Joshua Jackson, the corner from Iowa, when he was coming out a couple of years ago, he was so good at that. He was, now, Joshua Jackson was purely an off-coverage, cover-three zone corner, but he was so good at reading the quarterback and positioning himself in that zone that he made himself obviously a very touted uh, cornerback prospect when he was coming out. McDuffie, like you said, gives up the strength, gives up the the length, and so you're not going to be putting him in press coverage, but he's just such a smart corner, and there are too many other good corners in this class for me to think that he would be CB1 over a handful of those guys. However, McDuffie is going to be a player that you're going to hear so many people talk about as... I'd love him at the beginning of the second round. Like, give me this guy in the top 50, beginning of the second round, would love him on my football team. Like, that's that that's the way I feel like we're going to talk about him because there's a lot of stuff to like, even though you can see some physical limitations with him. No, no doubt. And, and you know, I think, you know, the size and length, you know, that's something he'll have to, you know, deal with because he'll never be able to, um, you know, be on the same same caliber as right. a Stingley or even a Kyrie Elam that we'll talk about in a sec, but just his instincts and then his explosiveness and toughness. Like he's to me, he's, he's, he's a player who, again, I feel very comfortable with saying he's, you know, he's not going to fail, you know, he's not going to fail. Yep. Um, 
So, you know, again, he's just another player in a stacked cornerback class and, It'll be interesting to see how they all kind of stack up against each other when it's all said and done. Even if he's not, say, a CB1 in the league, he'd be a high-end CB2, somebody that oh, you're, no you're playing on the field and that you'd love. I, I think that I think no doubt about it, Trent McDuffie, I think he's got an NFL career ahead of him. All right, before we get to our last two guys, we're talking about Andrew Booth and we're talking about Kyrie Elam. Got to remind people that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You guys can get all the latest news, odds, info, whatever you need for baseball, basketball, hockey, football, of course, MMA, UFC. You can get all of that over at Bet Online. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to really get into the game and bet how you want to in a smart way. Head over to their website or use their mobile device today to sign up. And if you do, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on whatever your first deposit is if you use the promo code Locked on. All caps, one word, locked on. That's bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And then if you got car troubles or if you're just looking to make an upgrade on your vehicle, folks, head over to rockauto.com. If, if you go into your local auto parts store, damn good chance that you explain to them what you're looking for and they don't have it in stock. I mean, it's just, it's so hard for auto part companies, especially local ones, to have everything that you would need right in the store. So they're going to order it online. You could just cut out the middleman and order it yourself over at rockauto.com. Go to the website on the left hand side. You'll be able to navigate. It's super easy to see. You can find ex- your exact make and model, all the parts that they've got available there for you. If you don't see exactly what you're looking for, hit them up. They got fantastic customer service. They'll be able to get either get the part themselves or point you in the right direction of how you can get it. If you do talk to them, let them know Lockdown NFL Draft sent you. That'd really, that'd really help out this podcast. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the car parts you were ever going to need over at rockauto.com. Let's talk about Andrew Booth next. We'll leave, yep. we'll leave Kyrie, Kyrie Elam for the end because Andrew Booth, man. <laughs> we we might have a live one here, Brentley. This dude is fun. Yeah. He's about he's about six feet tall, 195 pounds. He's got he's got the size that you want for an outside corner. He's a junior this year, plays at Clemson. Not a ton of playing time, though. You know, for a lot of corners and a lot of guys that we're just seeing in this draft class, he's underclassmen. It feels like they've been playing, they've got a lot of playing time under their belt, but he didn't start a single game his true freshman season. Booth didn't. He was sitting behind A.J. Terrell, so first-round corner. That makes sense. But he only started four games last year as well. And so it's just there's not a lot of playing time underneath him. Do you think that shows up on tape, or just what did you overall think of Andrew Booth? Yeah, I mean, I think the lack of snaps and the overall inexperience definitely shows up on tape just in terms of the technique, some of the hand placement when he's pressing, Mm -hmm. The, the, the eyes and instincts and zone you see him you know fall for route for route combinations and and and, and and play fakes and he'll buy and he'll fall step and you see him get beat occasionally but with booth man it's athleticism this is rare he's a special athlete trevor i mean his his quickness his fluidity is he's so smooth and sudden even if he takes a false step because he doesn't trust his eyes or he gets he fights on a play fake He's quick and fluid to flip his hips and turn and, and run and, and, and recover. You know, and he has he has traits that simply are rare. Other players just don't have. I mean, to me, what really separates this kid is, is just the, the ability to play the football in the air. This kid could be a receiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, no questions asked. You see the body control. The he's Odell got a couple of he's got a couple of interceptions <laughs> that are nuts, man. That are ridiculous. Just the hands, the body control, the the, the the ball tracking ability, you know, and again, like 
one of the, one of my favorite things in scouting, but when I was with the, with the team on the team side, we I, I had the pleasure of picking up uh, Chuck Pagano actually when we were interviewing um, you know for, uh, coaches to to hire in mm-hmm. one off season. And one of the things that one of the things Chuck Pagano told me about DBs is the best quality you can find in a DB are they comfortable tracking and playing the ball in the air. Because if they're not, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't right. matter if he runs a 4-3. It doesn't matter if he's long. It doesn't matter anything. Because if a receiver can just play the ball in the air, even in perfect coverage, the receiver makes the play. You have to be able to track the ball in the air. And that's why Pagano always liked corners who are punt returners. Because it shows that they can play the ball in the air and, and really track the football. Booth, my God. I mean, that's his strength. Like, that's exactly right. what he can do. And so while, yeah, you, you know, you, you want to him to clean up some stuff with his technique and, and you know, trust his eyes a little better and, and get, get his hands right and, you know, and things like that. But from an athleticism standpoint and really from a competitive standpoint, because, man, this guy, he, he can close. He's, he's, you know, he's aggressive as a, in run support. He, he looks to make the tackle. And again, like, you know, he's one of the guys who misses some tackles because he comes in a little overzealous. You know, he he needs to come in a little more controlled, which but we appreciate the effort here in which he, you know, he's he's aggressive in playing the run. Just like, he's uh, ran it back a little bit, but from an athleticism standpoint, yep. the, the, the ceiling is the roof here. And, and I I'm a huge fan of Andrew Booth. I think he and all the players are talking about, you know, not named Stingley has a chance to be that kind of top 10 player because he has that upside athletically. We just got to see him do it, you know, for a, for a consistent period of games, mm-hmm. which I think we'll have the opportunity to this season. But man, I mean, he's fun. This kid, this kid's upside is, is phenomenal. Yep. Uh, number one, number one thing about cornerback play and the baseline for cornerback play that I need and not to, argue with Chuck Pagano because he's totally right when you talk about skills I mean you got to be comfortable and you got to be able to play the ball when it's in the air but number one area where we start with corners is you got to play with an attitude like you got to have confidence you have to be confident in what you play in and lord have mercy Andrew Booth is just hyped up at all times whether it's a tackle at the line of scrimmage whether he's blitzing off of the edge whether it's a, a, a pass breakup right near the line of scrimmage in the short zones or deep down the field, whatever it is, this dude's got an attitude to him. Now, you look to the Louisville game and he throws a punch at the guy and gets ejected. Okay, I mean, you don't want yeah. to, you don't want it to overflow too much, but he just he this guy plays with such a passion. And you don't want passion to turn into hot-headedness, but you do want passion to turn into confidence. And I think that that's a journey that all players are on, but especially corners, especially when it's, it's something that demands that as much as that position does. I think man coverage is definitely going to be this guy's MO just because you mentioned it. Yeah. I mean, he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he can keep up with absolutely anybody, but he does not have the snaps underneath his belt yet to really show that you could trust him in man coverage right now. You're hoping that this season, like you mentioned, it's a full season where we get to see him consistently do things uh, in a great way. You hope that Clemson plays him in those opportunities because if they do, I, I think that there's no doubt about it. This kid could rise up the draft boards and we could talk about this guy as a top 15 pick. The biggest area of concern for me 
is tackling with him. And it's not, yeah. it's not willingness with tackling. Like he goes all out for tackling just like he would go all, go all out for, for a pass defense. I mean, he, he, he made his name on special teams his first year. And so you could totally see that background when he goes into tackle. The problem is Brentley, the dude tackles with his eyes looking at the ground. Yep. <laughs> he ta- like the, I'm, I'm terrified this dude's going to get hurt. Like every single tackle, when he is hyped up, he forgets that he has to keep his eyes up. And instead, he puts his head immediately down. He tries to turn his helmet into a battering ram. He tries to hit these guys as hard as possible. And yeah, he's still wrapping up, but like he's putting his neck and his head in such a vulnerable position in the film that I've looked at over the last two years. It's like, dude, you're going to get hurt. Like this guy's going to hurt himself. And so... That's part of those things where I love the attitude. I love the passion that Booth plays with, but the technique is not there. The maturity of his game is not there, and it's it's it goes beyond coverage technique and 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 coverage responsibilities. It's safety for him too right now. I I don't want this guy to get hurt, and if he keeps trying to tackle the way that he does mm-hmm. with the crown of his helmet, man, he's gonna get he's gonna get hurt. I mean, no, no question. I, I think. You know, and and one he's gonna get hurt, but two he's he's hurting the defense with the missed tackles and and him he's lunging at lunging at the ground and not not keeping his eyes on the target. I mean, it's not what we need. We need right, corners right. to be able to make tackles. You know, and, and um, you know, so he's a little bit of the opposite of Chet McDuffie in, in that sense. But you know, I, I think with reps, with more experience, hopefully we see him clean up. You know, it's his technique in both phases in coverage and run support. Because mm-hmm. if he does, man, I think we're looking at a high draft pick. Yeah, high ceiling, high ceiling player, no doubt about it. Last guy that we're going to go in depth about is Kyrie Elam, the cornerback from Florida, six foot two. Okay, yep. we got a big yep. boy here, right? Six foot. Yes, two, we do. One hundred ninety-five pounds. He's a true junior this year. Nephew of Matt Elam, the former first-round safety who got drafted out of Florida from the Baltimore Ravens. His father, not Matt Elam's father, Kyrie Elam's father, is. Um, Abram Elam, who played seven years in the NFL as well. So a lot of football background in his family. And anytime that's the case, it kind of, you see that understanding of why these guys are able to start right away. I mean, Kyrie Elam got starting time, his true freshman season at Florida. Obviously he was a full-time starter last year. And so uh, you, you could see that football background really show up in, in his early work. So what'd you think of Kyrie Elam? Yeah, real quick. I actually met his dad before. I think his dad, Abram, was a coaching was a coaching intern or a coaching fellowship with the Raiders when okay. I was like intern there. So he was actually super, super nice. So crazy that we're, we're talking about his son becoming a potential first round NFL prospect. But, you know, what really stood out to me about Elam's game is obviously his size and length. You know, he's a little different than the guys we've talked about before who are more 5'10", 5'11", 6 feet. This guy is long, he's skinny. Uh, but he, he's, he's really, really good length and you see it in the way he plays, um, you know, for a longer corner, I do think his movement skills are sufficient. Um, you, with, with these longer guys, you always have the trouble in transitions in my opinion. And that's the same for him. You know, he's a little leggy in transitions and when he's trying to mirror underneath, you see quicker, shorter receivers able to separate at the top of the route because they can get in and out of breaks cleaner than he can. But you love his physicality through the route. He's not afraid to get his hands on guys. Um, he's not the strongest player, but the willingness is there. Um, he, 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 can plant, he can plant and drive uh, when he's playing in zone. And he, he, he has ball production. And you see him really uh, use his length 
to his advantage in, in popping out the football at the catch point. Mm-hmm. I think his instincts are good uh, in zone coverage, and you see him read the quarterback's eyes when that plays on the football. Um, and to me, he's really just really good at reading the receiver and trusting his eyes. And that's that, that's something I really appreciated. Is you know he goes for it. He sees it. He goes for it. He's not he's not timid. He's not afraid. Um, and he really has confidence in himself. And I think that stems from, you know, both his brother and his dad having, having long NFL careers. Um, I think, I think he's best uses his own corner at this point in time. Again, while he has that length, I don't know if he has the strength to really hold up in man coverage. You see bigger receivers create separation at the catch point by just being more physical than him, which I think you know, he needs to really improve in the weight room to actually add some more muscle mass because you love his frame, but he's pretty dang lanky in my opinion. Um, and then the ball skills, I think, are just, just above average. You see him make, you know, pretty routine interceptions, but he's not on the caliber of a Derek Stingley Andrew Booth where he's able to, you know, have the body control to play a ball in the air, sure. you know, and, and come down with some of those you know, high impact interceptions. And then the other question I have about his game is his deep speed. Um, I think he's probably more of a four or five guy than a four, four, four guy. I, I, I don't think he has the speed to really carry vertically against some of the faster receivers. And so, you know, I think for a team that's playing that cover three, who appreciates that long corner, kind of like a Seattle style uh, type of defense, I think he'd be a great fit. I'd probably have him fourth out of this group, which may be, you know, a bit out of the consensus. I know there's a lot of love for Elam, but mm-hmm. I think there's some there's some things he could work on here. But you love the you love the physical tools, though you do. Yeah, I'd probably have him three or four out of the guys that we talked about here because I mean, not only do you really like the length and the size, he's a he's a very willing tackler. Like like he is mm-hmm. he is really reliable coming up in run support, which you do like that you could check that box from him. I think he's a good linear athlete, as you mentioned. You know, if you get him on a uh, like it just kind of going deep down the field sure I guess like some of the faster guys might burn him a little bit just because it's the nature of 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 him being a taller corner it doesn't necessarily translate to a lot of speed but I I do think that he has pretty good athleticism the area that will always be a concern with him you mentioned him being a little high-waisted a little leggy is when you get him against those quicker corners that are making those early stop and starts and change of direction early on in routes or early on in plays, that's kind of where he gets caught a little bit. It, it just takes him a like a split half a second longer than it would a wide receiver, and that creates a separation, right? And so that's that's kind of tough. However, I do think that it can be masked with really great anticipation, and so mm-hmm. if Elam really becomes like a total student of the game. And I don't mean that as any shot, like he's not right now. I have no idea. Like I, I haven't talked to his coaches. I don't know anything about that. I'm just saying that as he progresses in this last year of Florida, and as he goes into the NFL, his first couple of years, if he really stays in the, if he stays in the film room, if he really gets his anticipation and his awareness up, then we might be really talking about a complete corner because he brings a lot of no what you love. You know, he, he's an outside guy. He could play off. He could play press. He gets hand technique. He has good speed vertically down the field. He's got great awareness, and he could be physical with you at the line of scrimmage, whether it's a run play or a pass play. And so he gives you all of these things. The only thing that's really getting in the way of him being a potential shutdown guy on the outside are those quick moves that he kind of gets beat by. But if he gets his anticipation, he really steps that up, we could be talking about a really nice outside corner. 
No, no doubt. And you know, you know these long corners who can have movement skills and who are ahead of them, they're going to go high. And he plays in the SEC. Yeah. And he, he has – an NFL last name. Right, There's right. zero doubt that this kid's going to be a first-round player. Right? I mean, right. Like, let's, let's be very honest about this. He, he will be a first-round pick. That is a guarantee. Saying right now, August 12th, he will be a first-round pick. <laughs> um, you know, um, but but there are still things to work on, you know, and I, I think, um, you know, if he continues to do that, continues to improve, um, again, I think he'll be a very productive player at the next level. And, man, he's just another one corner in this stacked quarterback class. Yeah. It's nuts. Like, yeah. This is insane, and in the in the league that has put out arguably two of the best receiving classes we've ever seen back to back, and even 2019 with Debo and them boys and AJ Brown, like three straight years of giving us all pro level type young receivers. Thank God we're getting these corners because otherwise it would just be unfair with these offenses in the league. What uh, are there any other corners? That uh, you just any names that you want to throw out there yeah. that you've seen a little bit that you like that people should uh, have on their radar before we get into the season. I mean, definitely. And uh, one guy who you know, if we had a little more time, we could have talked about would be Ahmad Gardner, aka Sauce, Sauce. From Cincinnati. He's uh, he's a fun player to study. And then you know, a guy who is a bit under the radar. And yes, admittedly, I'm a homer, an absolute homer, diehard. I like. But trust me here, Michael Wright from Oregon is a dude. Like he's a dude, people. All and right. so, so he he he'll be he'll be in that first round, early second conversation when it's all said and done. Um, you know, Alabama has a guy, Josh Joby. I uh, I, really I, I kind of like Josh Job. I I do. I, I I have some love for him as well, man. Physical corner. Um, and so those 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 are some names. Uh, I I would say keep a keep an eye on. Um. Who, who could play themselves into that kind of next tier? In my yeah. Opinion. Okay. All right. Great, dude. Sauce Gardner, truly an elite yeah. cornerback name, no doubt about it. Everybody, he's uh, already he's already uh, capitalizing on the NIL apparently with, with Sauce. Is he? With, oh, yeah. I was reading about that. I was like, oh, get 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 this man a sweet uh, baby raised barbecue sauce. Oh, that's shit. beautiful. I know. Now I got. Now I got to look it up. When this podcast is over, I'm. I'm immediately going to look up what uh, nil deals we can get for Sauce Gardner. Uh, everybody, go follow Brentley Wiseman on Twitter at brentley12. Uh, he's as you could tell from the last 30 minutes of this podcast, he is such a great scouting mind. He's got a great eye for football. He's going to be teaching you stuff throughout the entire season, and he's criminally underfollowed people. Like he's two follows away from 2,000. Please, can we get our boy over 2K? Like Brentley absolutely deserves a lot more followers than he has right now. And if you're not one of them, you really should be. Brentley, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast, man. Man, appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'll come back anytime. And you know, we got we, we, you got to have me on one of those Fran Friday, man. I, I know oh, you and Ben I, had yeah. something good going, bro. Hey, look, we can talk about Marvel. I, I see a lot of questions about Marvel. Yeah, I, I get school. I get school the followers on Marvel. I saw you tweet about anime. Your boy was a Dragon Ball Z guy. There we go. Name me, name me anything. I'll know it. Uh, Game of Thrones. You see the Stark flag hanging back, hanging in the back right there. I play no games, Trevor. I'm not gonna lie. Football <laughs> is one of my one of my many talents, but. Get me on any trivia, Marvel, anime, Thrones. Uh, we'll have a great show. All right, this is good. This is good. All right, so now I've got I got to bring Brentley back on, not just for the football expertise, but maybe for some Fan Friday madness as well. Appreciate you, my guy. All right, man. Always enjoy talking with Brentley. That was a great recap. 
or at least an introduction into the 2022 cornerback class. Enjoyed all of those guys. If there's somebody that we missed, hit us up, man, on Twitter. You know, you know Brentley's Twitter handle. I just read it off at Tampa Bay Trey. I mean, let us know who you've got yours eyes on for cornerbacks in the college football season. Summer scouting series will keep rolling on. And until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.